Jesus is not coming with a little sweater. I don't think he's coming like Mr. Rogers in the land of make-believe. That's what they want us to do. Make-believe that it was legitimate. Make-believe that it really wasn't stolen. Make-believe that he had more votes. Jesus is not coming with this sweater. Well, Pastor Hank, how's he coming? He's coming like Rambo. That's how he's coming. That is Hank Kuhneman, senior pastor of Lord of Hosts Church in Omaha, Nebraska, on January 10th delivering a fiery message to his congregation and nearly 30,000 viewers online. It was just four days after the insurrection at the United States Capitol and 10 days before the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. In his 42-minute sermon, he shares his prophecy that God is on the side of President Trump insisting that President-elect Joe Biden is illegitimate and will be challenged by God's warriors, calling his congregation to not lose faith. Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. It is not lost on us that 20 years ago, not long after 9-11, this program began to foster understanding about the way religion and beliefs shape the world we live in. If 2020 was a year of reckoning with systemic racism, 2021 begins as a reckoning with religious extremism. There are people who are threatening my life. Many people who uh, believe that to support Donald Trump is godly. Therefore, I have to be satanic because I want to impeach him. Unfortunately, some are convinced that whatever they do for Donald Trump, who they believe was ordained by God to leave the United States, and therefore anything they do in his defense is, you know, one of the great things they can do for their, their faith. That is Missouri Congressman Emanuel Cleavers. Elected in 2005, he represents the 5th Congressional District, which encompasses Kansas City. I spoke to him by phone on January 12th, the day impeachment articles were introduced. Our conversation centered on faith. Before becoming an elected leader, he served as senior pastor of the St. James United Methodist Church. The day after the insurrection on January 6th, The threats of violence extended beyond the nation's capital as extremists targeted state capitals, members of Congress, and houses of worship, including his home church. Our church has been threatened. We have had to hire police for safety purposes each day of the week now because of all of the threats that took place last week. It was so bad that all of the, the employees of the church were asked to go home. And the uh, bishop's uh, office for the Missouri Conference of the United Methodist Church is located in uh, uh, Columbia, Missouri, about 125 miles away. The bishop there had to disconnect the phones because of the phone calls that were coming in. They were also getting uh, threats. I think in the name of God, many people are wanting to do all kinds of things, and that is the 
of course, the most alarming part of this. Representative Cleavers is no stranger to confronting white supremacy or violence justified by interpretations of sacred texts. He is a veteran of the civil rights era. Dr. Ralph Abernathy of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference directed the young Cleavers to found the SCLC chapter in Kansas City. He later studied theology at the St. Paul School of Theology and then went on to serve as the senior pastor of St. James United Methodist Church for 37 years. He sees the danger of religious extremism through a biblical lens. It is Christians and their interpretation of the, of the Christian tradition that's causing the problem. It's not unlike what the Pharisees or the Gnostics. I mean, it, it just has never reached this kind of a boiling point in the United States. One of the a former top FBI official has said that the number one threat to the United States domestically is not any foreign involvement, but it, it was the, the greatest threat is uh, internal. Uh, Americans who become radicalized and or much more likely to do something to physically harm other Americans than any international threat that we previously believed to be the number one thing we should be concerned about. 20 years after 9-11, 20,000 National Guard troops will be stationed in the nation's capital to protect and ensure a peaceful transition of power. Underscoring this threat, an extraordinary homeland security decision. The entire National Mall will be closed on Inauguration Day. The only people allowed into the security zone on January 20th? Members of the media and security personnel. At the time of this taping, President Trump still refuses to concede the election, and he does not plan to be present to convey his support of the newly elected administration. Now, as fences and barricades were being erected and metal detectors installed around the Capitol complex, the House impeached President Trump for a second time on a single count of inciting the insurrection. I asked Representative Cleavers, can members of Congress achieve the reconciliation they are calling for without accountability? There's absolutely no way. And accountability has to come from two sources, actually three. One, hopefully uh, an inner source that they have to sleep in the same bed with themselves each night and knowing that that at least six people have died as a result of, of, of their activities. Number two, I think it's the responsibility of the Republican leadership. The problem is, of course, that the head of the conference is one of the leaders of the Trumplican movement. And then the third thing is the people back home. While the impeachment passed the House, only 10 members voted to hold President Trump accountable, while four abstained from voting. Representative Cleavers is the chair of the House Civility Caucus. He anticipated some would join Democrats, but suspected the majority would not. I think there are some people who are going to stand up, and they, and in part they stand up because they believe that their belief system requires standing up. And other people are going to continue down the long road because they don't fear any kind of reprimand from their religious tradition. I hate to say this, but I think Trumplican is the official religion of many members of Congress. And if they argue that that's not, I I would like for them to lay out whether they believe the 25th chapter of Matthew speaks to them or Jesus gives us the greatest sermon ever preached in our tradition. Uh, And he talks about what you should and what you should not do. I I don't think there is anything that connects both sides of the aisle or or the the Trumplican party in particular and the others. We don't have, I, I don't think, enough in common anymore 
that we could say, you know, these are the things we believe. Because for the first time, probably in U.S. history, we have competing truths. There used to be the truth, and then there was the untruth. I, I think there are people who are trying to establish that there is no truth and that whatever you believe is your truth. And I think when that happens, we begin to tear down the things that, that uh, brought us together. Look, we are not right now headed in a good direction. You know, there, there are those who believe that democracies are always impermanent, that democracies always eventually commit suicide. And I would argue that we are in a suicidal moment right now. And unless things change dramatically, I, I think that things can happen that people in America, because of, of rank arrogance, would say could never happen here. Uh, I think w we are now retrievable. But if this continues, I just don't know how much further. This keeps me awake at night. I, I have four children. I, I would like for them to grow up in this democracy, albeit imperfect. But I think at least for a long period of time, we were trying to, 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 uh, to make it better. That was Congressman Emanuel Cleavers, representing the 5th District of Missouri. It remains unclear when the Senate will begin the trial. What is clear, however, are the growing voices of faith speaking out. The day of the impeachment, January 13th, the National Council of Churches leadership and denominational leaders from the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the United Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the Alliance of Baptists, and many more, signed a public statement calling for the removal of President Trump either by the 25th Amendment or impeachment. In addition to the denominational leaders, nearly 14,000 faith leaders and lay leaders from a cross-section of traditions and belief systems signed a public statement calling for Mr. Trump's removal. The statement ended with this message. While the president desperately attempts to cling to power by overturning the clear will of the majority of American voters, our faith commits us to build a true democracy— where the dignity and freedom of every person is respected. Coming up, a group of faith leaders from across traditions are organizing a virtual people's inauguration, inviting people of faith and goodwill from across the political spectrum to take an oath the day after the presidential inauguration. Here's Sister Simone Campbell, the leader of Network, explaining why. As a nation, we need to recommit ourselves, individually and collectively, to uphold our democracy. Democracies only work when we agree that this is our form of governance. And we have seen that broken down through the president's lies about uh, the election results, his lies about how he was maligned, and the fact that we have seen him incite violence and the hostile violent attack on our capital. The only way we can reclaim our agreement to govern together is if we recommit to it as a nation and let these fringe elements know who they are. They're fringe. They're not us. So let's have a strong people's inauguration where we take the oath to be faithful to each other. That 
and make change in our nation. Coming up, we hear from the lead organizer, Sikh activist and spiritual leader, Valerie Carr, after the break. Stay with us. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 